Now broadcasting from his hidden bunker and fully stocked bar, it is the Saturday Report with Hope Sebastian Taylor. Thank you and welcome once again, my friends, to the Saturday Report with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor, adventurer, entrepreneur, and amateur canvasser. Welcome to AWSM Radio, an independent digital-only radio station that plays today's best music, old-school classics, along with a rotating cast of all-star DJs. AWSM Radio focuses on mainstream artists, independent artists, along with a variety of interesting talk and music shows throughout the day. All we do is entertain, inspire, and inform. And, my friends, I want you to engage with me and be part of the conversation. So, find me on Twitter, Rizzle, and Instagram at Colt S. Taylor. And, of course, catch up with all of my other adventures and things and news that I'm reading at my website, ColtSebastianTaylor.com. It should be the first thing you check every day. ColtSebastianTaylor.com. AWSMRadio.com, weather, and then, I guess, email. All right, friends, let's get started with today's Saturday Report. Well, my friends, we had an election this week on Tuesday, as you may have heard. I certainly hope you went out and voted. And I thought this Saturday after the election, it would be a good time to analyze it here on the show. Uh, Not so much uh, Biden or Trump, but Kanye West, yes! It is perhaps the final installment of the Kanye West presidential run, Yeezy 2020. Uh, Unfortunately, the birthday party did not perform as well as one might have hoped. Kanye West uh, conceded formally the election this week. uh, First with a tweet that said, Welp, W-E-L-P. But then he conceded with another one, Dilly, that conceded with one him sitting I guess alone at a table watching election results and said, Kanye 2024. So I think Kanye West will build upon this victory, uh, if you would call it that, and he'll be running in 2024. Now, as you know, he was only on the ballot in some states. And uh, although these results are not final, there's still some mail-in ballots to be counted, Provisional ballots, overseas ballots. I'm sure maybe somebody in uh, living overseas may have voted for him and mailed the ballot in, and they're not. This still takes you get them ten days afterwards or whatnot. But I have some preliminary results here, very interesting uh, that I think we should review together, just for you know, just out of curiosity. So Yeezy was on the ballot in Arkansas, Colorado, Idaho, Iowa, Kentucky, Louisiana, Minnesota, Mississippi. Oklahoma, Tennessee, Utah, and Vermont. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, Colt, which state did he get the most votes in? And I'll tell you what, folks, I'm as surprised as you are when I tell you this. Tennessee, he got over 10,000 votes in Tennessee. Just going down the list, Arkansas, 4,000, Colorado, 6,000, Idaho, 3,600, Iowa, 3,200. Kentucky, 6,200. Louisiana, 4,800. Minnesota, 7,700. Mississippi, 3,200. Oklahoma, 5,500. Tennessee, uh, 10,200. Utah, 4,300. And Vermont, 1,200. Now, I was talking about uh, Oklahoma when we first sort of got on on this, uh, this, this whole thing with what's going on here. 
And um, I thought Oklahoma was interesting because you could pay $35,000 to get on the ballot in Oklahoma. And besides Donald Trump and Joe Biden, uh, also libertarian candidate Joe Jorgensen was on the candidate, uh, was a candidate on the ballot. There was Kanye West, Jade Simmons, which was a uh, classic, uh, I believe, a celloist or violinist, violinist, pianist, pianist. She played the piano. And Brock Pierce, former child actor who was in Mighty Ducks and Mighty Ducks 2 and had a billion dollars due to Bitcoin. So between the three independent candidates, Kanye West, Jade Simmons, and Brock Pierce, who do you think got the most votes? Kanye West did. Yes, Kanye West got 5,590 votes. Jade Simmons got 3,650 votes. And Brock Pierce came in dead last in Oklahoma with 2,542 votes, if you can believe it. In fact, I went to practically every state that he was on here, and Kanye West either came in fourth or fifth place, like behind the Libertarian candidate or also behind the Green Party candidate, and in some places ahead of the Green Party candidate, which um, to me is bonkers, just straight out bonkers. Um, but, uh, his vote totals was not enough to, uh, be a quote-unquote spoiler in said any of these races in any location. So he really had an impact in this whatsoever. However, with so many different people running for president in many of these states, including Colorado, I can't help but to say that I, Colt Sebastian Taylor, would endorse ranked choice voting so people could put Kanye West as their number one choice. Hey, Ben. You know, vote for other people down down the ballot. So uh, maybe, maybe after this election, uh, we will embrace that, which I think is a great way to vote for people. Uh, let you pick people and rank them one, two, three, four, five, and then you knock off the bottom until someone gets fifty percent, and then those votes go to their second and third choice, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, my friends, uh, I am unlikely to come back and visit about Kanye West's uh, political run for the White House here again, unless uh, something interesting pops up in the final, final. Final results. Uh, maybe when they have the total national totals, we'll see where he ended up on on that list. Moving along now, uh, since we're talking about Brock Pierce and his Bitcoin uh, empire, that's why he's worth over a billion dollars, which is just crazy to me. Uh, but speaking of Bitcoin, guess who has a billion dollars of Bitcoin at this moment, my friends? Me, Colt Sebastian Taylor? No. AWSM Radio? Oh, I wish, because I could use some of that sweet Bitcoin money. Uh, the Justice Department does. Yes, the Justice Department has a billion dollars of Bitcoin. Now, how you ask? Well, crime. Not They didn't commit crime, but they broke up a series of different criminal rings and crimes going on the dark web, and they seized over a billion dollars of Bitcoin. So, you may not know what the dark web is. So if you're on the AWSM uh, radio website right now, uh, that's the internet. That's the internet you can find. But that's really just the tip of the iceberg. There's a whole thing called the dark web. Places on the internet that you just can't find with a search engine. You have to jump through a bunch of hoops and you have to type in very specific things to reach these certain websites. And they don't want to be found because often a lot of illegal things take place on them. Uh, selling of drugs, weapons, 
Uh, anything you can imagine that's illegal is probably going to be found on the dark web. It's kind of like the Mose Isley of the internet. Well, obviously, if you're going to buy something illegal over the internet, you just can't swipe a credit card or, you know, ask to send a check. You have to go, you have to exchange some sort of fund somehow. And Bitcoin, a valuable commodity that's untraceable, is the preferred digital currency of international criminals. So, however, you know, the government does pay attention to these things. And so when the when these things happen, they can manage to track, down, track you down, not most of the time, but at least enough time that they could get a billion dollars worth of illicit funds. They broke out some criminal rings and were able to seize these Bitcoins. Um... How do you see something that's digital on the internet? Um, I don't know. I assume it's complicated. Probably involves some password changing, I guess, and the the seizure of some USB drives. But anyways, point is, they have a billion dollars worth of Bitcoins. Now, this is not the first time the government has had their hands on Bitcoins and from dark web illicit uh, activities. They uh, got a whole stash of them uh, several years ago, and uh, then over the course of a few months, sold them at auction for cash. I mean, it's not like the government uses Bitcoin to do things. Or do they? Hmm. Good question. But anyways, they uh, sold it, got the money, and used that to whatever they do when they sell things gotten by illicit means. I don't really know what they do with them. I guess they put into programs or fund like D.A.R.E. programs. Who knows? Point is, they have a billion dollars worth of Bitcoins, and they'll be selling it soon. Uh, may disrupt the market, you know. So uh, with that in mind, they are probably going to sell them in, in in groups. If you sell it all at once, you might not get as much money out of it. So they'll probably sell it in, in pieces, in, in bits. Oh, my goodness. Aren't you glad you're up Saturday morning listening to me with these dumb dad jokes? I know I am. I'm super excited. All right, moving along. But staying with finances, oranges and finances to be specific, uh, two things ago, hand in hand, I mean quite naturally, probably sitting down this Saturday morning listening to the show with a cup of orange juice and you think to yourself, boy, how much did I pay for this cup of orange juice? Well, let me ask you this. How much would you pay, how much would you pay for a hundred oranges? I'll wait. Have a sip. Hundred oranges. How much for a hundred oranges? Well, if you were in Japan uh, this last week, you may have paid ninety six hundred dollars. Yes, nine thousand six hundred dollars, roughly one million yen for a crate of oranges. No, these aren't your typical sun kissed oranges. These are rare. Japanese mandarins. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. These are rare oranges, uh, known as the, uh, three suns. Uh, they make a, uh, semi seedless, uh, oranges. Uh, it's a good balance of rich and sweet flavors. They're easy to peel and they have a melt in your mouth texture and they are exceedingly rare. Okay. There's only a hundred farmers that grow these oranges in Japan. They're not usually, they're not widely available. And so, but this year was a very good year for these oranges. And a crate of only a hundred of these oranges were sold for almost one million yen. That is a crazy amount of money for these oranges. I mean, that is roughly, <laughs> it's roughly 10 bucks. No, but roughly 10 bucks an orange. No, a hundred bucks, roughly a hundred bucks an orange. If I got my, my math down correctly. Yeah, I think a hundred bucks of orange, orange. 
for one of these oranges, that's just that's just crazy. I mean, good for the farmers because I mean, probably not easy being a <laughs> orange farmer in Japan. It's not really known for their um, you know uh, tropical Florida like climate to grow oranges, but. Um, yeah, it's pretty, pretty, pretty crazy. Now, usually, usually these uh, oranges do not go for this much. This is they don't always go for ten thousand uh, dollars. Typically, typically the price is roughly for this amount of oranges a hundred and fifty dollars, a hundred and fifty dollars. So this went this went way off, way off the charts in terms of it being uh, purchased. And, um, you know, they want to support their agricultural farmers over there. So someone bid that much money to buy these case of oranges. And it comes in its own sort of special little uh, wooden handcrafted case. It's, I mean, it is a high-end, high-end case of oranges. You know, this is a Ferrari or Lamborghini of oranges, I guess. But, uh, hey, if you know any, any friends in Japan and offer you a very tiny glass of orange juice... Uh, it may be because that orange cost them $100. We now go to India, which I know I have a lot of, uh, of friends on here from India listening to the show. Hello, everyone. Hope you're doing well. Uh, news item from India crossed my path here that uh, the smog, apparently, uh, in, uh, in India has been very bad lately. In fact, the AQI, which is the sort of a measurement they use to measure air quality, was over 900 in some places uh, around the capital of India today. And uh, usually you want that number like in the 20s and 30s most of the time. Uh, unfortunately, it was the worst recording of uh, smog, of, of toxic smog uh, this year. And there's a, apparently there's a real sort of issue over there with that. Uh, it's a combination of uh, coal-burning power plants, which put up a lot of smoke, uh, farmers illegal burning end-of-year crops, sort of getting their fields ready for the next year, and uh, this time of year, there's just no wind, so the air just hangs there and gets more filled up with smoke and smoke and smoke, and then it just it just gets real ugly real fast. In fact, the government had to send out teams out into the air, rural areas around the capital to uh, get uh, farmers to stop burning things or to clamp down on um, on that uh, on that uh, uh, smog. Um, but uh, it's also not even fire. Another problem, not problem, but uh, another reason why the smog gets terrible this time of year is that Dilawi, uh, a Hindu festival of lights, which I've gone to a few with a few of my uh, Hindu pals, a lovely festival. I hope to get to another one again very soon. Uh, they sell a lot of firecrackers and a lot of fireworks, and uh, that causes a lot of smog and smoke too. And then also finally, the traffic around the capital of India is also pretty terrible too, just like almost anywhere else in the world, and that sends up a lot of terrible smog up into the air. Uh, also a concern with COVID-19 sort of taking hold in India that this increased uh, stress on respiratory systems may cause the mortality rate of COVID-19 to jump in the area. So uh, to all of my pals in India listening to my show, I hope you are breathing easier now and that you're staying safe and uh some some rain or wind will blow through and clear out the air for you. Uh, but I'm thinking about you. I hope you get through this okay. And, uh, 
yeah. So I would hate, hate to see this. This was some some people were saying it smells like it's burning leaves day in and day out, and it just cannot be pleasant. So I wish you well, and I hope uh, that your air gets uh, much cleaner much sooner uh, than than later. From India, we go to Europe now to whale tails. Yes, whale tails. Who doesn't love looking at a good whale tail? No, I'm not talking about the uh, visual of someone wearing a thong a little bit higher than their gene level, so it makes it look like a whale tail that's popping out of the ocean. Uh, I'm talking about a sculpture of an actual two-scale whale tail. A whale tail. A whale tail. Uh, this is probably the most time I will ever say, say whale tail. A whale tail sculpture in Europe prevented a horrific accident. Uh, how so, Colt? How, how did that happen? I'm glad you asked, my friend. Uh, you see, in Europe, a train was coming to a station. Uh, there was some sort of issue with the brakes. Blew past the station, and this is an elevated station, so like, you know, 30, 40, 50 feet off the ground. And uh, this was the last station on the line, so it came barreling down the tracks. It's the end of the line, and then, you know, end of the line, then a, then a fall that would have crushed several trains, but the end of this particular train line in a in the water were these two giant whale tail sculptures. So it looked like whales were diving under the railroad tracks. The train left the tracks, jumped up into the air, and landed on one of these tails and stayed put. Like, if it kept going, it would have pulled all of the other cars off of the tracks, but it just sort of hit the end, bounced up, slammed into the whale tail, and stuck. It was like a one in a million chance. The pictures from all angles looks amazing. Like, it looks like a movie of, like, that could not possibly have happened. How convenient. But it happened. Uh, there were some injuries, obviously, you know, hitting a concrete end of a of a rail line and then slamming into a sculpture will throw you around a bit. Might give you some bumps and bumps and bruises. But going off the rails and slamming into a pond would have caused much, much more serious stuff. Uh, authorities are trying to figure out how to remove the train from the sculpture without damaging the tracks or the sculpture or having everything spill into the pond below it. Uh, probably use some cranes and whatnot, but Everyone got off okay. Uh, there were no deaths from what I've read. Um, it was, like I said, a one in a million chance. Um, I imagine, I can only imagine the train conductor unable to stop, sort of bracing to slam, fall 50 feet into water, get knocked around, look up, look around, look down, see he was caught by a sculpture. It goes, ah, well then, good enough. All right, everyone, off the train. I don't know what country in Europe this is, but that's just my general European impression is vaguely Swiss. So uh, thankfully, everything's okay. You should really look up these pictures. It looks like it looks like someone faked it. It looks photoshopped, but uh, I assure you, my friends, it actually happened. It was pretty amazing stuff. And I'll tell you what else is amazing here on AWSM Radio. It's my pal. DC, he has a show here every Friday night at 9 p.m. and Sunday at 10 p.m. It's DC live in effect. He is AWSM's in-house DJ, and you do not want to miss it when he is smashing it on the ones and twos, 
kicking the beats from his South Florida compound. I don't even know where he is. He moves around every week. The man's a mystery. He's a ghost. He might even be behind you right now, but if he's not, it's probably because he's on the radio doing these wonderful, wonderful, uh, these the, giving you the music you need to really start your Friday night and make sure your Sunday evening is pretty groovy. So you probably listened to him last night. You're listening him to me now. And so tomorrow, Sunday at 10 p.m., listen to DC Live in Effect right here on AWSM Radio. Now, my friends, we go to science, one of my favorite topics. Love science. So in 2018, uh, some scientists went to the Arctic, uh, as scientists do. They love going up there. And these two scientists uh, put a time capsule together, uh, left it way up on ice flow so that eventually when the ice caps melted that this time capsule would float through the ocean and wash up on shore somewhere. And so they could tell people what it was like to visit the ice caps when there were still ice caps because they, they're pretty sure they're going to be gone eventually or much, much, much smaller. So they figured they would leave it up here in, you know, 50, 100, maybe a few hundred years it would uh, fall into the ocean and then, then wash up on shore. And so they constructed it of like a high-grade steel that wouldn't rust, so it would float, wouldn't degrade over time due to the moisture and the, the coldness of the Arctic. Well, it washed up on shore in Ireland this week, two years later. Yep, uh, did not take long for that part of the Arctic to collapse, <laughs> to collapse into the ocean. And it washed up on shore a mere two two years later. Not much of a uh, not much of a time capsule there. Uh, much to the surprise of the scientists, actually, they were a little bit a little bit disappointed. It did not take too terribly long for that to arrive. Um, so when they fell in Ireland, it almost got thrown away. They thought it was just some debris that washed up on shore, and the folks that found it looked at it a little bit more closely, and like, oh, wait, this is a time capsule. Uh, opened it up, read it, and were able to get the materials back to the scientists who left it there. Um, kind, kind, kind of a sad story, I guess, you know. Uh, funny it didn't take that long, but also not funny at the same time. Speaking of ice caps melting, uh, in the Antarctic, which is... Uh, on the other side of the world, on the South Pole, a uh, iceberg the size of Luxembourg, which is a country, twice the size of Delaware, is slowly making its way to an island. It broke off from the Antarctic, uh, was floating around, and is being pushed towards South George Island, which is just east of the Falkland Islands, and uh, is likely to run aground there, like it's to slam into the island. Um, so they, oh, that, that should be, that shouldn't cause too much of an issue, right? That should be, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. Um, yeah, it's going to be a problem because one, for one, is going to disrupt the fishing activities in the area because it's a big chunk of ice that's displaying, displacing a lot of water and changing currents in the area. Uh, it's going to crush anything, any, any sea life on the sea floor as it gets wedged up against the South George Island, and it might affect the environment situation in South George Island. So scientists are watching this very carefully. I believe they were able to land a helicopter on it, and they've put a GPS uh, thingy on it so they can track it just a little bit better, but it is a massive amount of ice. Not the largest, though, 
largest in quite a, quite a few years, but uh, not is floating going to make impact with an island? And you're probably saying to yourself, Colt, you know, icebergs, they, they can't affect things that much. Listen, let me remind you, this is twice the size of Delaware, the size of Luxembourg, a European country. Uh, a large iceberg a few years ago uh, broke loose and disrupted the winds so much and the currents that the natural breakup of ice flow that allowed uh, supply ships to get in, that allowed birds and fish to migrate, didn't break up. It was it remained too cold, so the ice remained there. So they had a hard time getting supplies to scientists, and a lot of animals were impacted. Their populations were severely impacted because the environment was radically changed for a few years because of this iceberg was just blocking winds because it was so massive and in the way. So um, I'll be watching this. If there's any interesting updates, I will bring it to you, my friends. Uh, my advice: don't get stuck on an iceberg, though. So don't don't go there. Looking for it because it will eventually melt. Keeping with science, but going back millions and millions and millions and, well, maybe even billions of years, a duckbill dinosaur fossil was found in Africa recently. Now, we find fossils of dinosaurs all the time. What's interesting is a duckbill dinosaur is not known to be from Africa. These were dinosaurs that were sort of, you know, evolved and lived in North and South America, you know, the North and South America of that time. Uh, and uh, you, they just were not found on any other continents until now. Scientists think that perhaps this particular dinosaur, uh, meaning others would have, might have swam across the oceans at the time to get to different continents. I mean, there were obviously dinosaurs in the ocean whatnot, but this is sort of the first sort of theory and actually proof that dinosaurs, land dinosaurs, would swim across vast oceans to get to other continents. Now, at the time, you know, Africa and South and North America were not as far away as they were now. They were a, little, they were a wee bit closer and whatnot, so the distance was not as far you had to swim across, but still, it was, it was no, you know, hop, skip, and jump across a pond. It was a significant amount of distance, so... Scientists are impressed that this dinosaur made it over there. It's not like the dinosaur fossils were just planted there. I mean, they had had to go across the ocean, live there, die, and then become a fossil. And if one made it there, that means uh, there were definitely more that probably did. Now, the thing that I always sort of wondered, I'm sure there's a, there's a formula for this. I wonder how they can figure out how many... How many dinosaurs there were? Like, obviously, the fossils of dinosaurs, they were there. But for every fossil of dinosaur, how many other dinosaurs were there? I don't... I'm sure there's a formula for that, and there's a very interesting TED Talk about that. But that has always, that has always popped into my mind of, how do they know that? But not so much for me to go actually do any research for it. But I think it's interesting that, obviously, money from a university was given to somebody... And and their 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 uh their their uh the title of their proposal was I want to know how many dinosaurs there were using fossils. They read the proposal, and like all right, all right, here's a million dollars. Go figure it out there, Jake. <laughs> so, anyways, um, duckbill dinosaurs found in Africa. So the working theory scientists are looking at right now is some of these dinosaurs may have been able to swim across oceans and visit other continents.
now coming from millions of years ago till today, um, we've all gone to cities, man's greatest creations. Well, I mean, depends on who you talk to. Uh, but we all gone to cities, and it's not easy to get around the city. If you have a car, there's traffic, parking, bleh, paying for parking, even worse. Bleh, no thank you. Public transportation's okay. You've got your buses, your taxis, uh, your subways. Unless you're from Philadelphia, the subways are terrible here. Uh, but um, there's lots going on. Try to get around the city. It just isn't convenient. Well, if you're going to Barcelona in 2022, because let's be honest, 2020 is out of the picture. 2021, it's kind of kind of touch and go there. In in Barcelona, Spain, starting in 2022, you'll be able to take an air taxi to pop around the city. Now there are air taxis elsewhere. In the world, however, unlike this, unlike other air taxis where you have a pilot flying a helicopter around, these are going to be one-person pilotless air taxis, drones. Basically, you, you, you strap yourself into this drone, it takes you up in the air, and will fly you around up between 100 and 300 meters, traveling up to 15 kilometers in 15 minutes, uh, going around the city. Uh, controlled by, you know, computers and remote control and algorithms and whatnot. It will fly you around the city uh, to where you want to go. Obviously, it won't just drop you off uh, in front of the Starbucks or whatnot. There will be, like, you know, areas to drop you off at, but it will get you around much faster than a bus or a taxi would. Uh, no word yet on how much each of these flights will be. They obviously will be for the more higher-end uh, customer and whatnot. Uh, but this is a thing. And if it's successful in Barcelona, it may be coming to a place near you in, in New York City or India or South America, Australia, Japan, all of my listeners all over the world. Um, you might be able to take an air taxi. Now, would I take an air taxi? Um I don't know if I would. I don't like flying with people on the controls to begin with. I don't know if I would put my faith in a robot to zip me around the city and have zero control over what was going on. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I would like that. I would need to I would need to sit down with somebody and have them explain to me how safe it is than just a little brochure saying, Hey, air taxi, it's safe. Um I would be open to it. But it would take a lot for me to do it. I might have to be paid to go do it rather than paying to go do it. I don't mind taking some time to getting across the city. Uh, but uh, I think it be might be just entirely too stressful for me. I might be I might be at the point where I'm so old where like, oh, not going to do that newfangled machine. So I might leave that for a younger uh, Saturday Port Colt with Colt Sebastian Taylor correspondent. I don't have any yet. But if I do, I might assign this story to them in the future. But with that said, I think it's fantastic that people are coming up with very interesting ideas to use drones to sort of cut down on traffic in the city. And they can safely zip people around in these drones. Obviously, they probably would not operate on a windy day. I'm all for it. I think it's great. So uh, looking forward to looking forward to seeing it being deployed in two years, uh, maybe sooner. Who knows? But a very interesting development in technology that I thought you would like to hear as well. Now, what you will not have to wait until 2022 to be deployed is my friend Rocks and the Rocks Sessions. It's on every Monday through Friday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. It's a drive time show, making sure that the evening commute home is fun. It's featuring the hottest music on the charts and some surprises in between. This show, 
by rocks. She will make it rock, rocks style. It is fantastic. You need to set your home devices, your phone, alarms, anything, so you do not miss this show. Listen, I, Colt Sebastian Taylor, will do it for you. Hang on, just hang on here. Hang on for a minute. Alexa, set alarm. Listen to The Rock Show. Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. Good, all right, there. That should, that should set that. Then you'll be all set. You'll be all set. The Rock Sessions, Monday through Friday, 5 p.m. to 7 p.m., right here on AWSM Radio. So as you know, there was an election here in the United States on Tuesday, and there was a lot of attention on my home city of Philadelphia, where a massive amount of mail-in ballots were being counted at a convention center. That's the only way they can organize it. There's lots and lots of manual labor of going through, of opening envelopes, opening two envelopes, looking at mail-in ballots, um, fixing them and going them, sending them through scanners and whatnot. It is a labor-intensive, time-consuming process, dragging out a lot of tempers, a lot of stress going through that. Well, somebody from Virginia, who uh, I guess you could probably say uh, uh, liberally, uh, a conspiracy theorist, driving up with a bunch of guns because he had something to say about this counting that he thought was a fraud. He drove up in a big old Hummer, a Hummer with a snorkel on it because, you know, you're driving to Philadelphia, you need a tactical Hummer. Um, and he was probably going to cause some trouble. Okay, so that's the setup there. Um, he was stopped and arrested by bike police <laughs> in Philadelphia. And here in Philadelphia, we have police, you know, we have police in cars, we have police on horses, we have police on bikes. So a few police officers on bikes drove by this big old Hummer that was parked in front of the convention center, kind of out of place. We don't see a lot of tactical Hummers in Philadelphia, uh, parking is very terrible here. So something that large, it's hard to get into a spot. Uh, it's an extra charge uh, for a parking garage. So someone's driving around a Hummer with tinted windows. It tends to get the attention of police. Well, they uh, talked to them and they searched his uh, vehicle because he, you know, has, has the face of like, oh, probable cause right here. Uh, very shifty looking feller. And uh, they found a bunch of guns in his car. Now, here's the thing. It's not obviously not illegal to own guns, right to bear arms or whatnot, but in Pennsylvania, you do need permits for some guns. Well, he had permits from Virginia. Virginia permits are not recognized in Pennsylvania, so he was quickly taken into custody and like, oh, wait, this is the guy the FBI was looking for for posting some stuff online. So I guess he had a plan to disrupt the counting uh, but he was taken down by by cops in Philadelphia. And this is not not the funniest part of the story. Obviously, thank goodness no one got hurt. They got this guy off the street. Uh, it's humorous that the bike cops took him down and not like ATF or police or SWAT, just two guys on bikes. What's hilarious is that the Humvee was left there uh, to be examined and whatnot and uh, secured, but it, it did get towed away and he get left there. So the next morning... It got a parking ticket. <laughs> I mean, you, you may not appreciate this if you're not from the Philadelphia area, but the Philadelphia Parking Authority is the bane of many people's existence here. Uh, they, they just always pop up. They give tickets. Uh, sometimes they tow cars away. You have to argue with them to get your car back. They're just a, they're quite an uh, organization here. Everyone dislikes 
the parking authority. But this, however, has earned some has earned some brownie points back with the fine people of Philadelphia. It's hilarious that this person is being held possible possible domestic terrorist attack and whatnot, but he got a parking ticket. He got a parking ticket. The parking laws in Philadelphia will be maintained despite any civil unrest. Uh, so that was going around Twitter. Uh, and then eventually uh, someone uh, put a sign on there of Gritty, which if you don't know who Gritty is, he is our hockey mascot here in Philadelphia. And is he, he, he the best way to describe Gritty is, uh, and also Philadelphia, I feel, uh, when they introduced the new mascot, Philadelphia was like, ugh, what is this? No. And the rest of the nation was, ugh, what is going on there, Philadelphia? No. And then Philadelphia went, hey, he's a national treasure. <laughs> so they immediately rallied around him as soon as everyone else didn't like him. And Gritty often pops up, not the actual Gritty, but like people dressed as Gritty, often pop up at these protests. So anyway, someone put a... Uh, uh, a sign on the on the windshield of this Humvee of Gritty waving and go and someone with a handwritten note saying "Bye, B word." So that was also very funny too. So, uh, Philadelphia has a very specific kind of sense of humor that not everyone gets, but uh, I I laugh for a solid twenty minutes seeing a parking ticket uh, on this car called up a few of my friends, told them what had happened, and there was just a slow boil of laughing of like, oh, of course, of course I got a parking ticket. That makes perfect sense. Finally today, folks, uh, some of a, some sad news. Uh, COVID-19 is forcing the closure and liquidation of Pet Value. Pet Value is a national brand chain store of pet supplies and food and toys and everything you need uh, to take care of your cat or dog. Uh, a lot of them have uh, self-service bathing areas for your dogs, but COVID-19 impacted them very hard. They are, they were already struggling a little bit financially as a chain, but uh, COVID-19, as you know, forced the closure of a lot of stores and uh, drove down sales as people were you know, staying home and trying to save money. And they just couldn't quite recover from it. So they have announced that they are winding down operations, having big old liquidation, store, uh, liquidation sales. Uh, so if you have a pet value near you, my friends, you might be able to pick up some pretty good deals on pet supplies and various other pet-related items. But uh, unfortunately... Uh, in many areas where these stores have been sort of a mainstay to help people take care of their pets, they are going out of business and will be no more within weeks, if not by the end of this month or next month. So, Pet Value, thank you for helping us take care of our dogs and cats. We will miss you. Well, my friends, that just about wraps up another fantastic episode of the Saturday part with me, Colt Sebastian Taylor. Thank you for joining me today. Remember, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Rizzle and engage with me there uh, at the handle Colt S. Taylor. So be sure to follow me there. Engage with me. Let me know what you think about the show. Tell me a story you think I should cover. And tell me I'm terrible. I don't mind. I just love the attention. The attention. And of course, if you need a source for all things called Sebastian Taylor, news I'm reading, my adventures, things I am a brand ambassador for, go to ColtSebastianTaylor.com, bookmark it, check it every day. It is well worth five minutes of your time. I think it's great. And uh, I would love to have you there. 
Well, my friends, until next time, I am, of course, your friend, Colt Sebastian Taylor, and I'll see you later.